0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, back at it, another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. TGIF, what's happening today, Reggie?
1: Oh my goodness, we made it to the weekend, baby.
0: Twins lost their third straight. NFL experts, though, are calling Lewis seen to have an early impact for the Vikings. Plus, later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk, but first, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-served business, serving do-it-yourselfers like Reggie and I for over 20 years. Reliably low prices for every customer, Reggie, they're practically giving this stuff away. It's unbelievable. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for your vehicle. Go to rockauto.com today and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us? section so they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com. All right. So. The Vikings' final stretch of practice at OTAs finally wraps up today. A little breather until mandatory veteran OTAs from June 7th to the 9th. ESPN's latest article predicted the top rookie performers in each statistical category yesterday, and wouldn't you know it, Louis' scene was highlighted not once, but twice. Mm. ESPN predicts seen will come in third, of all NFL rookies and tackles just behind Ravens' Kyle Hamilton and Jaguars' Devin Lloyd, they also have him predicted to come away with the second most interceptions as a rookie behind only Sauce Gardner. The article notes Scene's physical abilities we've all seen on tape. We've seen the highlights, his instincts to fly around to the ball carrier, and his leadership on a Georgia team that won the national championship and Seen was named MVP after an outstanding college playoff football run. While all those things are great, Reggie, for rookies to come in and produce, they still need opportunities first and foremost. And Scene is currently projected to fill the shoes of Xavier Woods, who left in free agency to start next to Harrison Smith. It's so hard to predict these stats, especially among rookies. But, you know, since the draft has ended, there's been a lot of buzz around Scene and how he fits in Minnesota. First of all, do you think he will, in fact, be the starter week one and two? Do you tend to agree with ESPN that scene could make a big impact his first year? Just your overall thoughts when it comes to expectations for the Vikings' first-round pick, Lewis scene.
1: So I think that they picked him because they were high on him. Mm-hmm. And I think he – could be one of the the sleeper players in the draft. You know, it's interesting because, you know, so much was made about, okay, yeah, we're going to get Cam Bynum involved and, mm. you know, he's going to be the the starting safety, out, you know, on the other side of Harrison Smith. And now you're kind of at a position where you're just like, you know, let's try to find a way to get all these guys in there mm. because, you know, you draft a guy like Louis Seen who was so productive, you know, at Georgia. As a guy who can come in and make an impact right away, and that defense does need some help, you know with with some of the <laughs> some of the plays that they that they let up. last season, I'm looking at the the Detroit Lions game. Don't do it right there at the end. Mm. You know, maybe if they had a little bit more um, you know athleticism, safety help, what what whatever you want to call it, maybe that play that ends the game doesn't happen. Uh, And and maybe you're talking about a totally different Vikings team this year. Um, And so I just I expect big things from Louisine. They they obviously are high on him and they've talked him up big, you know, during the time that he's been there. And I expect him to have a solid rookie year.
0: Yeah, I think first and foremost, he has to go out and earn that starting Mm. job, and you do that in these OTAs, you do that in training camp, in the preseason games. Second, if he can do that, I think we need to learn a little bit more about Ed Donatel's system and exactly Mm. how he... To deploy his different looks, different packages, different wrinkles. What's the nickel sub package going to look like? Is it going to look different on third and seven versus third and twelve? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Harrison Smith in the box? Or is it going to be seen? Is he going to be asked to be played, you know, more center field type in Rome in the back? Or is he going to match up with tight ends and running backs? It's too early to know all these things until we glean more from what Donatel wants to run and how right. he wants to maximize his player's skill set, it's just really hard to predict how productive each individual player is going to be. Having said, I think Seen has shown all the tools in the world on tape and been productive at such a high level against some of these college football's best competition in the world. So I, for one, think if he can get on the field early and win that starting job outright within the first few weeks from Cam Bynum, which remains to be seen, as you mentioned, Reggie, Cam Bynum looked sharp last year, flashed a lot of Thomas. He's not just going to give that starting job away. If he can do that, though, I think he's got a chance to tally up a handful of nice stats by year's end. Now that we're on the subject, Lewisina side, let's go through the Vikings defense and make our own predictions. Let's start with sacks because I think this is an easy one for most people. Everyone should be saying Daniil Hunter and following it up with as long as he can stay healthy. But it's true. I mean, when healthy, Hunter is clearly the best pass rusher on the team and has proven that. So who's second behind Hunter for most sacks, in your opinion, in 2022?
1: It's got to be Zadarius Smith. That's what they signed him for, right?
0: Yeah, Hunter, Zadarius. I think that's a pretty easy one. Clear cut, pretty heavy in the top two. How about tackles? Obviously, a linebacker usually leads the team in tackles. Safety, usually a close second or third, which is not a good sign for your team's run defense because that means all the ball carriers are getting deep into the second and third levels of your defense. But who do you think are the top two tacklers on the Vikings in 2022?
1: Oh, you gave me two. All right, the top two tacklers I see being Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks.
0: Both guys in the middle. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Kendricks obviously should be most people's number one pick. Jordan Hicks, quietly three straight 100-plus tackle seasons. That's what I I'm saying. He, uh, quietly, one-year, $4 million deal, I think, something like that. I it's mean, a, Jeep got him on deal. the cheap, man. Great deal, especially when switching over to his 3-4. They Productive were desperate. player. Yeah, they were in desperate need of another inside middle linebacker there. So Jordan Hicks I think could prove to be very valuable when it comes to Ed Donatel's new 3-4 team. Uh, Harrison Smith always in the mix up there. He's always sneaky sure. getting up into the box as well. Finally, interceptions. This one's always toughest to predict unless you have one like true shutdown cornerback or something like that, like a Revis Island or Jalen Ramsey. There's so many factors at play. A ball gets tipped up in the air at the line of scrimmage. Image. All of a sudden, Armin Watts is scampering 32 yards to the house for his first career INT. Who do you got leading the Vikings defense in interceptions?
1: This is a tough one uh, because you you want to say maybe like Patrick Peterson, but like he got his first and only interception of the year in the very last game of the season.
0: Teams don't throw so, his way. They didn't last year anyways.
1: Right. Um, and so – This one is tough, man. I'll say Cam Danceler.
0: For me, my gut instinct wants to go to a safety position. They're able Mm. to roam around a little bit more. But, again, I don't know who's going to be in the box in run defense mode and who's going to be in center field more. So um, that one's tough. You know what? I'm going to go with a little wild card here. I think Eric Kendricks not only leads the team in tackles – I think he leads the team in interceptions as well. Had okay. a great one-handed pick against Detroit last year. That was uh, Definitely amazing. one for his highlight reel. These, of course, just a crap shoot. It's early June 3rd today, but it's fun to go up and down the roster and kind of highlight just how good this defense could be when healthy under Ed Donatel. Coming up, the sky is falling for the twins, and later I'm putting Reggie through the gauntlet with what does it mean. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports info, including this year's basketball finals, Major League Baseball, fights, and even NFL futures. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online. It's where the game starts. All right, let's talk about those twins, shall we? Twins have scored two runs. Two. Two runs in 29 innings now after going scoreless in their previous two and putting up just two runs in a 3-2 loss yesterday versus the Tigers. Twins have now lost three straight and four of their last five. They blow a lead late after Rocco pulls Chris Archer through five innings, plugs in Johan Duran for the sixth and seventh. He mowed down the Tigers. One through six batters, but then in the eighth, Emilio Pagan gives up a two-run mm. bomb, gives the Tigers the go-ahead lead late, and Twins give another one away. Buxton goes one for three, but still just in a funk overall. Twins hitters three through six go 0 for 13. Reggie, this is how I know things are bad. Even Luis Rice went 0 for 5 yesterday. It's nice. easy to call out Pagan for giving up the lead late, but... These bats are just not doing anyone favors as of late.
1: No, they're not. And I'm really struggling to figure out what's going on with these guys. Like the bats were supposed to be the strength of this team. I feel like if you go back and you look at all of the superior sports talk shows over the last two months, the amount of times that we say the bats are supposed to be the strength of this team. <laughs> probably like almost every show, I feel like. But like, you know, even like you say, you're talking Luis Rice, he's even going cold yesterday. Like, it's really kind of weird. They're in this weird you know, the ebb and flows of the baseball season sometimes bring about these type of things. And, you know, what's interesting is even with the slumps, you know, lost seven of the last 10, like they're still like firmly in first place right now, which is just kind of incredible, but also a testament to what they've built over these first couple months of the season. But I think it was, it's, it's questionable when you look at Chris Archer, pitched five innings. He hadn't gone longer than four and a third uh, this season. He pitches five innings. Fifty-seven pitches. That's it. Yanked. Out you go. Out Dang. you go. I think maybe they should have let him pitch a little bit longer into the game. But that's been a that's been a topic of conversation about Rocco and his pitching staff all season, I feel like. But it's interesting because maybe, maybe, if you let him go six, seven innings, maybe you don't even need Emilio Pagan. Maybe you can put Duran. I saw Duran in in like the sixth, seventh inning. It's just like, I thought he was the closer. Like, why is he in so early? You know, and I, I just some of these like decisions just are are a bit head scratching when it comes to just what they're doing with the pitching staff, some of the lineup things. Like, it's it's weird that that Buxton is in such a a funk right now after starting the season just in Fuego. And it's just weird that some of these bats that you really thought that you could count on are just not producing in the way that you want to see them do it. That being said, though, if you have a lead, you would hope that the bullpen could hold on to that lead. But everything that we've seen from the bullpen this year kind of leaves you to believe like, man, it's always going to be tight, clenched cheeks, cheeks, When you see the bullpen come in and try to hold a lead because they've blown it so many times before this season, and so I'm just like, man, I really—they're like a conundrum that we really can't understand or solve. But you hope, you know, going into this series with the the Blue Jays, that they can figure something out. Soft
0: spot in the schedule is now over after starting five and zero. They go 3-7. and They just go 8-7 and over these last 15 games with the Royals and Tigers. It's a double whammy, too, because not only are you losing games, you should be winning, but you're leaving the door open, helping Mm -hmm. your division rivals win games at the same time. Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, now all coming up on deck. Between the hitting, pitching, and even coaching, I'm glad you touched on, Rocco, what needs to change and spark back to life over this next stretch and what are you realistically hoping for over these next three series from a win standpoint I mean I think if you can just split and go 500 I'm taking that money and running that's a win for how this team is playing so far again pitching takes a lot of heat but let's look at the scores the last few. give up three runs all right give up five runs four runs two runs I mean, this isn't all on these starting pitching. Is it more relief pitchers? Is Rocco, maybe he should take some more heat, I should say, or is it just the bats just need to start producing because that was supposed to be the strength in the identity of this team?
1: I think they need to just put it all together. It's kind of hard to get some consistency out of this team when you're battling injuries, you're sending guys down, calling them up, and, you know some of the productive guys that you thought you would have to provide a spark, you know, they're not there. You know, Royce Lewis, you brought him up to provide a spark. First day out there in center field, bang, into the wall, he's out on the uh, the injured list. He's just like, dang, what are we doing? Uh, you need the bats that you are counting on to go ahead and pick it up. You need Correa, you know, this is second time he's hit the IL this season. You need Correa to come on back and, and him start to produce like you signed him to do, you, you need the pitching to come back. Like, you got Joe Ryan out with COVID. You got um, a Sonny, Sonny Gray. Gray. Sonny Gray is now out for the second time this season with the pectoral strain, and you never want to see things like that because it was the, the right one, you know, the pitching, near the pitching arm, and so you don't want to see that, but... The team doesn't believe it's going to be too serious. They're hopeful to get them back on the 14th. But you kind of just need everybody to get back in sync with one another because they've been so out of sync because they've had to make so many shifts and lineup changes and changes to the starting rotation over the last month that it's just kind of hard to get in a rhythm. You know, good teams win in spite of. You know, they always say, next man up. You know, it's the next man up. We just – we expect to – you know, have the same level of production with the, the next man up. And it's just like, you know, I think we're old enough to believe that there is a little bit of a drop off when you talk about that next man up. And so, you know, what's tough is the depth that we were kind of like, praising the Twins for having, all of a sudden, it's getting depleted. And now you're seeing them just kind of get out of rhythm, get out of whack, and start to lose some of these games that maybe they shouldn't.
0: Just a plethora of injuries. So many. Buxton has been banged up. Obviously, he takes every third, fourth day off already. But even when he's been in, since that ankle injury, he tweaked that ankle, I think pretty early, April 15th, something like that. He's batting like 183, so maybe there's a little bit more to that injury too. Maybe he just needs to take 10, 15 days and just get fully healthy because something serious is going on with Byron Buxton. All right, let's try to look at the glass half full here, find some sort of positive. I guess that would be the White Sox. Thank the Lord, have dropped five of their last six and continue to struggle. Is this a product of just the tough schedule that the Twins are now about to get a taste of? Or a team that maybe many experts and fans just had too high of expectations for? I mean, is this the real White Sox team? Or are they still hiding in there somewhere waiting to bust out and go on a a serious tear here during the thick of the summer?
1: You know, I think it's somewhere in between. Like, what we've seen from these baseball teams, you know, a few years ago I saw the Cardinals just, you know, go from the depths of despair to all of a sudden they're in the postseason. So, like, even bad teams or teams that are having a a really, really bad stretch can turn it around and and really turn their season around. And I think you see that the White Sox has the talent. They have the talent to really kind of turn it on if they want to. It's just a matter of, you know, if they can just put it all together. It's kind of head-scratching, kind of weird to see the the White Sox just kind of struggle like this because you were expecting them to kind of be the class of the division. And now I I think that's why this presents a great opportunity for the twins, because it's just like, look, while the White Sox are over here struggling, like let's go ahead and do what we need to do, handle our business. So we can, you know, move on with the move on and, and, you know, kind of get a little bit of a cushion just in case they do want to decide that they want to wake up and go on a run. Like they got to catch us, uh, catch up to us a little bit. And so, I think this is a critical stretch for the Twins going up against these teams because you know the White Sox they struggled against those same teams that they are about to play. You know, so much was made about the the Josh Donaldson mm. uh Tim Anderson deal or whatever, but like the Yankees were taking it to him in that series. Mm. And so it's just like, well, you know, who knows. And so I think this is going to be where the the metal of the White Sox, or I'm sorry, of the Twins is going to get proved because now you're going up against these teams who are really, like, fighting against each other. Like, Toronto, New York, Boston, like, those are all teams fighting with each other for the top of that division. I mean, throw the Rays in there as well. And now, you know, you're talking about whoever is maybe out of that, you know, still trying to contend for some wild card spots. So, like, these are teams that are trying to get after it as well to keep pace with the other teams in their division. So they can't be, you know, bothered by these teams outside of the division. So they're going to want to take care of business when, when teams like the Twins come to town. So I think you expect them to really give them your, your best shot, and the Twins got to be ready for it.
0: Yeah, that AL East is just absolutely stacked, man. Twins start the tough stretch today in Toronto versus the Blue Jays in the first of three, first pitch 6.07 p.m. Chichi Gonzalez set to hit the mound for the Twins. Am I reading that right? Yeah. All right, the time has come. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. First up, longtime NFL journeyman and QB Ryan Fitzpatrick decides to hang it up and retire after 17 seasons, suiting up for nine different teams. In those 17 seasons, Fitzpatrick started 147 games, thrown for 34,990 yards, 223 touchdowns. He started games for all nine teams, which is an NFL record among quarterbacks fitzpatrick however never made the playoffs during his career so what does it mean for fitzpatrick's legacy and place among some of the all-time best nfl journeymen and backup quarterbacks
1: man fitz magic forever
0: he was fun wasn't he i
1: love the guy man like he was great and Harvard boy yeah just gritty tough you know whenever you needed to you know, have him be a spell for your QB one. He came in there and just won games like one games with every team that he has been on that team. He played on with the jets that Todd Bowles was coaching where he had Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. That was probably one of the most talented teams that we've seen not make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so it's tough to see that he didn't make the playoffs because at some point or another, it seems like he runs out of gas but the dude is like nails and so fun to watch. Fitz Magic. you got that nickname for a reason. And I'll give you this story. So I grew up a St. Louis Rams fan. And one year, there was a game where Mark Bulger was yep. out, and the the Rams were just kind of like sputtering. They were four and six they went to go play the one in nine Texans and the Texans jumped out to a 21 point lead. Okay. And you got guys like Isaac Bruce, Tori Holt, uh, back in the day it was Kevin Curtis and a young Harvard quarterback by the name of Ryan Fitzpatrick leads the team on a 21 point comeback just throwing dimes all over the field, goes to overtime, throws one to Kevin Curtis. Kevin Curtis breaks the tackle, runs into the end zone, walks it off and the Rams win. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my goodness. That was one of the funnest memories of my childhood. And I am now 31 years old, and I'm saying that was one of the most fun memories of my childhood. And what that says is Fitzpatrick, his longevity was very evident in the National Football League. Very, very pro- – I mean, last season, the Washington football team decided that they were just going to hitch their wagon to Ryan's Fis- Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why not? At He gives at his age. to win every, every yeah, week. Why not? Exactly. And you're just like, really? That's your game plan? But, like, I think yeah, it, whatever. it just – it shows just how much Fitzpatrick has been productive – and a consummate professional throughout his career that even up until last season, teams, and he had the unfortunate injury that, you know, kind of pushed him aside and led to Taylor Heineke getting a bunch of snaps. But, you know, he was going into that season to be the starting quarterback for that team. And he's been through a lot. I was looking at some of the highlights from him and, you know, he would scramble a lot. And he took a lot of hits as well yeah, did. in some of those scrambles. Like, he was a tough guy as well. You know, and he said he secretly loved when announcers always talked about the fact that he went to Harvard whenever they, you know, started talking about who he was and who he the is Ivy as a League quarterback. Boy. Yeah, yeah. He, he said he secretly loved that because you never really see a whole lot of Ivy League players really make it, especially to the level that he has on – you know, over the course of his career. And so the legend of Fitz magic, we all love him. He's not going to be like a hall of famer or anything like that, but he's going to be a quarterback that years down the line, you're just like, Oh man, remember Ryan Fitzpatrick? That guy was a lot of fun to watch.
0: Uh, one of those guys that just makes the NFL fun to watch, the 250th overall pick. I think you're talking about November 29, 2005, that 33-27 to 27 comeback against the Houston Texans.
1: That was awesome. Uh,
0: product of Mike Martz's system, Torrey yep. Holt, Isaac Bruce. Man, we're getting deep into Reggie's childhood right now, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, super fun to watch, though, man. I mean, that was yeah. just what a! It's just one of those guys that every week, every year, you're like, "All right, this is probably it. The show's over. The magic has gone. There's no way he can cling on to another team. There's no way he can win the number two job. There's no way when that guy goes down, he's going to get not only a a chance to to start, but actually produce." Seventeen years later, here we are. One of the funner uh, journeyman stories for sure in the NFL. Going to be sad to see him go, but. Heck of a run, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Fitzmagic, for a reason. All right, last one. Finally, some sad news here to end. Former Dallas Cowboys and Minnesota Golden Gopher great Marion Barber died suddenly at the age of 38 this week. We're obviously heartbroken and just shocked by the news that was released by the Cowboys Wednesday. I'd like to take a moment and maybe just reflect on some of the amazing things Barber was able to bring to the game of football, specifically here in the state of Minnesota, as he will forever go down. One of the best, not just running backs, not just players, but people in Gopher history. What does it mean when looking back on Barber's legacy here as kind of one of those local legends?
1: So, I'm a relative newcomer here. We all know this. Right.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's been really cool for me to kind of see just the legend that is Marion Barber here in Minnesota. And so, the night that we found out that he passed, Randy Shaver went over and talked to his college head coach and his high school head coach. And Randy's recall for Twin Cities sports moments is unreal Mm. and he put together this story talking about just the life and legacy of marion barber and i just really didn't know how much of a dude he was randy has been covering sports in this area for nearly 40 years he said he can count on both of his hands the players that really really stood out to him and he put marion barber in that list Second generation gopher, second generation NFL running back. And oh, yeah, like the dude was a stud in high school. Like I had no idea he played cornerback in high school. Randy had this video. So every week, Randy Shaver during the high school football season, he comes in around 11 a.m. And he does the high school football show every Friday night. And he doesn't leave until 2.30 in the morning or or later because he is logging that video from all the games. And it it came in handy in this moment because he was able to recall the only two interceptions that Joe Maurer threw in his whole Cretan high school career marion You're barber
0: hitting me was the wow. guy who
1: intercepted those two passes wow. and they were both incredible interceptions and awesome. i'm just like wow like for as incredible as marion barber was i think it was something like 1900 yards or something like that that he ran for but he also was a lockdown cornerback in high school as well just speaks to the type of athlete and the type of talent that he was. And then you go ahead and and you look at you know I'm not even from Minnesota, but I used to tune in every week to see him and Lawrence Maroney, mm. the two headed duo. Because Lawrence mm. Maroney is from St. Louis, right? And so we would tune in to see him and Lawrence Maroney do work. Both of those guys, first round draft picks in the NFL, both those guys were must see TV as a running back duo probably one of the best running back duos in all of college football. And then Marion Barber gets into the league and had a very productive career. He was RB1 mm-hmm. for them, for the Cowboys. Signed Pro-balling. like a yeah. yeah, signed like a 7-year, 45 million dollar contract with the Cowboys as a as their running back one. And you know, looking back at some of those highlights, man, the guy was a bruiser. Hard-nosed, ran hard. You know, like one of those guys that you didn't want to see coming in a, in a gap because he was about to punish you. You know, a lot of people talk about the greatest run that he ever had was when they were backed up, you know, on their own goal. And it looked like he was about to get tackled for a safety. And somehow he turns it into a a two-yard gain when it seemed like he ran like 50 yards.
0: Yeah, it's one of the top 100 all-time plays in the NFL ever. If you've never seen it, you got to go check it out. Yeah, To
1: only gain two yards out of the play. It's just kind of crazy. But he dodged disaster so much. But just, you know, catching passes out of the backfield, you know, lining up and just running it as a running back. Like, this dude was special, man. And I know it's tough, you know, from his playing career, he seemed to kind of struggle with some things and and that's just kind of tough just to see, you know, his playing career kind of really kind of hold a a bearing on his post playing career. And it's just so tough to see how how things just kind of ended up in, you know, him being found dead in his apartment the other day. Mm -hmm. It's so tough to see how it ended up just nine days short of his 39th birthday. So young, man, Mm -hmm. so young, but so many people having so many great things to say about him in his passing. That's the type of legacy that he left.
0: When he was in his prime for the Gophers, it was always Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, dominated the Big Ten. Gophers, second fiddle, just trying to keep up. But once in a decade a special magical player came around like Marion Barber and literally just carried that team. I mean, at the time, he broke the Gophers football career record, all-time record holder for rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, 100-yard games. They go 10-3 and one season, and, and it just brought so much excitement and life into not just the Gophers football program, but the state, the entire state of Minnesota. For the first time, we're competing with these big teams like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio State and that's just on the field like you said so cool to hear those stories about him and another local legend like joe mauer going toe-to-toe you gave me goosebumps that was outstanding to hear but such a sad obviously sad story sad ending to what was just an uh, unbelievable heartfelt life our hearts and condolences thoughts and wishes go out to his friends and family for
1: sure absolutely
0: all right well You survived the gauntlet once again, Reggie. We're back here Monday doing more Twins, Vikings, NBA, and NHL playoffs, plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day. For another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV. And on CARE11, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in Monday to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until Monday, signing out.
1: Be blessed. Spread love this weekend. This is
0: Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports,
1: Minnesota. A hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.